Welcome to the Sixth Pillar Podcast, brought to you by Techni Innovations. I'm Podcast Director Missy Morris. Your host, Chief Neil Gang, has asked two friends and colleagues in the wellness and leadership fields to have a candid conversation about life, law enforcement, and making the most of each while staying mentally and physically healthy. Let me introduce today's guests. Chad Michael Bruckner is a performance coach, motivational speaker, and published author from Allentown, Pennsylvania. Chad served 13 years in law enforcement. Prior to police work, he served eight years in the U.S. Army Infantry. He's developed training programs in wellness, leadership, and resiliency, and publicly speaks on these issues. Chad holds a master's degree in digital forensics and a bachelor's degree in criminal justice. He's married to the love of his life, Kristen, a first grade teacher, and they have three children. Chief Gang's second guest is Thomas Rizzo. Thomas Rizzo is currently in his 23rd year in law enforcement and a captain in New Jersey. He's had a decorated career with many citations, awards, commendations, and, and recognition at several levels, including West Point. He was invited to return as an instructor and later decided to build his own platform based upon the tenets of transformational leadership philosophies, team unit creations, real resiliency, wellness, work-life balance, and empathetic foundations. Publishing a book in late 2021, which reached the number one Amazon's bestseller list. Using the book's disciplines, Thomas created a seminar called The Ivory Tower and Operation LEAD that to date has presented in 44 states to a wide range of audiences. He believes leadership is a perspective and not a rank and accomplished by being the best version of yourself, capable of seeing, realizing the best in others. His most prized accomplishment is that of his four amazing children. Chief Neil Gang, the floor is yours. Thank you so much. Wow. You know, hearing those bios, it makes me want to just do a mic drop and uh, just call it a day. So much information, so much great work. Both of these individuals, I'm super blessed to know on a personal level and also as colleagues. And, you know, as a police chief and being in law enforcement for 35 years, you know, there's my days coming. My chapter is about to end. And I'm super blessed by knowing that these two individuals will be leading, you know, law enforcement profession into the future. And, and that's what we need. So welcome to the Six Pillar Podcast. This has been a passion project of mine for over three years. Uh, I finally have such a, an amazing team at Techne Interventions. Missy Morris, which you just met, what you don't know is she's a retired police lieutenant from out here in California with over 28 years experience. And she's best known probably for her blonde ponytail that used to hang out of her helmet as she was a motor riding around the streets of Roseville with her BMW. Missy's an amazing person. So having this amazing team to be able to bring this podcast forward is, is super exciting to me. Just having unfiltered conversations about leadership and organizational wellness. I always say this is not a home for buzzwords and bullshit. We're going to have unfiltered conversations. And that's why I'm so blessed to have Chad and Tom with us today. I've always committed that I would make this a faith-based foundation. So today's Bible verse that I'm going to share, and then we'll get into this, is Philippians 2.3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain or conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. And that's why I have Chad and Tom with me, because that's exactly what they're doing, putting themselves out there to be able to serve others and serve their communities. So again, super blessed to be here. Chad, welcome. Tell us a little bit about the work that you're doing and uh, what motivates you to be able to do the things you're doing. Chief, thanks for having me on. A uh, pleasure to be here with Tom as well. And I have a lot of respect for Tom. I, real quick, I, I, when I left law enforcement three years ago, 
I was on LinkedIn. I was searching for inspiration, searching for influence, searching for people that thought like me. And I knew they were out there. And then I see Tom Rizzo, an active lieutenant. It was a, I think it was lieutenant, maybe captain now, but then lieutenant. But I don't know. Just, I just saw this guy posting the things I was thinking and feeling. And, and I just thought, okay, well, if he can do it, I can do it too. So Tom, thank you, man, for your influence and, and all you do. Um, was it his biceps, Chad? It wasn't the biceps you know that got you? Everybody talks about his biceps. I love Tom for his heart, man, his, his character, man. That's, that's what I love about him. No, but Chief, I appreciate it. My journey's been, I feel like it's been really long, but like who hasn't been long. So 21 years of, of government service, public service, growing up, it really started when I was growing up and, and having the experiences in my childhood and the parents I've had and the faith examples I had. We had a lot of obstacles, a lot of challenges growing up, but there was also a lot of love. And, and I write about this, that we grew up low income and there were some critical incidents that happened, but one I love that I just told this recently, I wrote about this is Christmas time is really important in our family. Growing up, we baked Christmas cookies. And my mom told me this story only a couple of years ago, since why it's still in my heart, but she would tell this story. We didn't have any money to buy the ingredients and she'd be out fishing through change through the car seat, through the back of the car seat. So we can go buy the ingredients to make Christmas cookies. Inside we're singing Johnny Mathis and the carpenters and we're making cookies. We didn't realize that the money was that bad. My mom was that buffer. She was that barrier. She was that protector and, and she met us where we we're at and, and still gave us this great life. So all through my life, I just had these examples. You don't have to have a lot. You don't have to be a lot. You don't have to know a lot. You just have to care a heck of a lot. And those examples were all through with me. So when I went in the military and police, I carried that with me and, and just started to experience life, you know, good and bad and left and right and up and down. And what I realized is we just need more people to care. We need more people to care greatly. You don't have to have the fancy titles or the, or the take-home car or have the biggest network. You just have to care. And if you care, that's all that matters. But we live in a society where people that care aren't propped up as much as people that don't care. So I think this is a great mechanism that you have, Chief, to really prop up people that care and, and amplify their voice. Thank you so much. And, and just our interactions has been amazing. I've learned a lot from you and, you know, iron sharpens iron. And when we spend time together, we really, we really get some things accomplished. You know, I, I have this sheet in front of me and it talks a little bit about Chad pours his energy and heart into his clients. And, and if you don't know, Chad is available as a performance coach. Chad challenges me to think deeper and, and hard hitting questions. Just everything that Chad's doing is really impacting our, our first responders. If you don't know, Chad has also authored a book, The Holy Trinity of Successful and Healthy Police Organizations. He's also a co-host of the Breaking Badge podcast. So Chad, thanks for being here today. And we'll get a, a little bit in, more into your work in a little bit. Uh, I'm going to turn it over to, to Tom. And again, just an amazing person, great interactions. We met also on LinkedIn and Tom and I uh, have had a great relationship and we, we share a lot of concerns with each other. We have great conversations. I had the opportunity to speak up in New Jersey last year at the FBI and eight, and you know, I come off stage and, and there's this, you know, uh, good looking guy comes up to me and, and just with all this energy and introduces himself and it was Tom and we sat there for a little while and we were like kinder spirits. This is my brother. I'm from New Jersey as well. And, and that's where Tom was a captain. Tom has also written a book of Kamikaze, which Missy brought up earlier on today. And uh, what we don't know is we got a little celebrity on our hands. You know, Tom has recently been seen on Arbitral Live. So Tom, when you go back, tell, tell the boys and Dan Abrams, I said, hello, and uh, to continue to uh, bring you on because uh, you're a great asset to that show. So I'm going to turn it over to Tom. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing, Tom, and, and what motivates you to do the things you're doing. You know, it, it, it's funny. You give the accolades out as being, you know, this. The, the floor is yours being the chief. And I say it's the, the opposite for me. You're the anomaly as a chief. I think if we had more chiefs like you, maybe we wouldn't have some of the problems that we have. 
And I say to Chad, he, we've spoken Why, you know, look at the amazing platform and the amazing work he's doing. And you know what I throw out there is it, gee, I wonder why he's not active anymore. Oh, that's right. It must be because how dangerous the job is it must be because, you know, all the stuff that he dealt with while he was doing the dangers of policing. Nope. And I say, this is what kills me. There should be more chiefs like you and there should be officers like Chad still working. Right. See, we don't do that because again, we fall for this false narrative. So I'm nothing special. All I found was the, the famous patent quote, lead me, follow me or get out of my way. I'm begging. And I yell from the mountaintops, whether it makes friends or foes, let's just act as if the core element of what we do on a day-to-day -day basis, not law enforcement is protecting and serving what people. So why don't we just choose for a moment? I know this is advanced physics to hone in and polish our people skills. And then maybe just maybe, you know, we won't experience such division, polarity and strife and consequence, you know, out with the public that we serve. Like I said, there's nothing special about me, my friend. And the reason why the energy comes out is because I'm a firm believer in being contagious. We certainly have no problem bouncing toxicity and insecurity off each other. So why not bounce a little positivity and see what comes back to us? Great words, uh, Tom, and I appreciate the accolades as well. And really my idea was to create a platform for the future leaders and, and people like you and Chad to be able to talk about these things and, you know, to create a platform where it's not just about vomiting trauma all over our listeners, but what are we doing? What are we doing with positivity? What are we doing with leadership and, and are we leading with our heart, right? That's what's really important. Today is, is super blessed for me to have you both on. And, and this leadership roundtable, basically, that we're having today was super impactful. It was really something that I wanted for my first show. That's what this is today. So super excited about that. So tell me a little bit about what your thoughts are, Chad, on the correlation of good leadership and the impact of the culture of wellness in their organizations. It's a great topic, Chief. And I write about this in my book. I'm not sure how we become well or become great leaders without being well. I'm not sure how we can meet people where they're at, meet our officers where they're at, listen to their complaints, listen to their problems, right or wrong, true or not. You know, how can we meet them where we're at where we're not well? Because we're dealing with problems all day long. So it's, it's understandable if I'm not a well leader, when I'm dealing with these problems of the day and they're going to be fluid environments that law enforcement is, every day is a challenge, every day is a battle. So you have to be well and you have to put yourself in the situation. So just in, in the course of my career, running across so many leaders that were, you, you look in their eyes and you see how unhealthy they were, whether overweight or mentally broken or emotionally hurt and damaged. And I think we can create a lot of, of resources and avenues for these leaders that are existing to help them heal, because I don't know any other way to successfully and healthily build organizational culture without the leader, the chief executive being of a good foundation of physical, spiritual, mental, and emotional health. Very good. Good words. You know, as I travel around the country, there's definitely that correlation of good leaders and also healthy organizational wellness in the culture. You know, what's sad is that you go around and you speak on organizational wellness and leadership and, and inevitably somebody comes up to you afterwards and say that that's great ideas, great concepts, but you know, our leader is this or our leader is that. And then conversely, you get the opposite where well, we have great organizational wellness, but there's a lack of leadership. So there's definitely that infusion that needs to happen. And that's why I think that both of you are, are really pushing that message, which is really important. Tom, talk a little bit about what your thoughts are and what you're seeing around the country. Not, not to sound presumptuous, but I say this often, right? Well, who takes care of the leaders? So I think like 
you know, as you ascend in leadership and rank and, and, you know, responsibility, naturally your shoulders, the broad, and I understand that, but I say, if we don't have a platform, if we don't have some type of source or, you know, an account to make, we certainly make our deposits, but to make our withdrawals from, well, who's going to take care of us? Where's our means or our avenues of a catharsis? So I often say where I go throughout the country, the ones I see is viable organizations that are surviving times of, you know, trials and tribulations alike consistently are those that have uh, people in positions that believe they serve the position, not that the position serves them. So when they act as if the position serves them and now look at me, I think that that's going to be the cancer that inevitably will kill the culture, right? So I speak, I often write, and I often blab about cancer of culture. And I think that's always the resounding fact and hurt people hurt people. So the worst that happens is we ascend in that rank and the ability to reach out and hurt more folks by virtue of our status, you know, or authority or statutory authority. And I see it perpetuate. Uh, I, I wrote about this the other day, man, I think you guys would agree with me. You know, chief, you have more time on to me and Chad, I'm a little bit ahead of you, but I would say the three of us would all agree different generational, maybe ideology on this, but back in the day, it was just easy to recycle and replace. So I say to the chiefs that are in your category and mine of that, you know, t tenure, I'm screaming about buyer beware. They will hit this new generation is savvy enough to say, Hey, wait a minute. So if we don't switch it where it's a foundation of wellness, I didn't say, you know, hug a thug. I'm not saying that. So contrary to my haters out there, but if we don't have means to recognize the wellness and, and put that as the forefront of the people in the organization co-mingle with the leadership element. They got to be together on that. So there is no boss when it comes to leadership. I would say that when it comes to wellness, leadership in terms of the perspective of wellness. So I think that if we have a cyclical kind of, you know, system, I think those are the ones I've seen throughout the country that survive. Yeah, I agree. And I, and I, I see Chad nodding his head as well. Uh, I, I think we're all on the same page, but the, what seems to me is though going around the country is that we're the minority and that's the problem. Right. And certainly everybody wants to talk about the Gen Z's and, and maybe how challenging they are, but really they, they just want to be cared for and they want leaders that care about them. They want to know that their work matters, right? They want to know that they're being valued and they want to know that they have a psychologically safe environment that they can raise their hand and say, Hey, I need help. And they're not going to be chastised or sent to some rubber gun squad. And I know you guys understand rubber gun squad because that's like an East coast term, right? So, but that's really important. So it, I want to see if your experiences have been the same. If you could think just for a minute back in your entire career, you know, Chad and, and Tom, you know, can you count even one hand good leaders that you've had or good leadership? I can't, not even a full hand. And that's a big concern for me as we move forward, because what this profession needs now, if we're going to move forward, stop with all the bullshit with the reimagining police and reimaging police. We need leaders and we need leadership. So what are your thoughts on that, Chad? Oh, I'm sorry, Tom, go ahead. I was just going to say before Chad speaks, leaders, I think to, to put you on point, Chief, I've seen a, a ton of good leaders. What I've seen overwhelmingly is they don't rise to rank because that's not what we want. That's not what the system calls for. So I think the biggest question you should be asking with the utmost respect is, no, no, no. How many true leaders, great leaders have you seen that got the positions? See, that, that see that's the problem. Well, because what does the system call for? Some, I always call this, are there true metrics for leadership or are they mass tricks? 
You tell me, because look around the country, look to your right and to your left, to your up and to your down. And the folks with the stars, bars, patches, and pins, I got to tell you, I don't think they could leave sardines out of cans. If they could, then why do we have the problems that we have? I'm going to, I'll bounce it back to you. I'm not going to call out by names, but we have these prestigious academies, right? Everybody, we all shake hands at the conferences, sir. But I'm going to ask you, then how did we land here? What, because of what's happening out there? Okay. All right. You know no, I agree with you. It's, it's an internal problem. And, uh, and we're focusing yeah. on the raw things to make this uh, profession get to where it needs to go. Um, Chad, what's your thoughts? Woo, this is a great topic, guys. Um, I wanted to jump in a thousand times, but I wanted to, just, I wanted to learn from you guys. Um, yeah, I think this is top hitting on the head, man. This is a much bigger problem. I've seen this in the last three years. My private investigation firm, we do background investigations for local government. We screen police chiefs, police officers, town managers, borough managers, finance directors. I have access with elected folks every day. My purview has just been expanded and I just see the corruption that, that has spanned all which way. And actually it's helped me create much empathy for a lot of chiefs because I look into their eyes and I see the challenges they have. They're working for narcissistic elected officials or mayors or they have some toxic conditions. I'm not to say this to excuse them. I'm just saying it to, to argue to Tom's point. I think it's much bigger and it's going to be much harder. I still have a lot of hope with it. But what we really have to attack is and really bring, bring the light onto the issue is and Tom hit it on the best. What are the metrics? What are we doing? Let's be very, very honest. My former agency I just was at just promote, hired, promoted the first female lieutenant, promoted new sergeants. They weren't the best of the, of the group. There'll be no development for these people. I know they won't develop. And in five years, they're going to have to replace their replacement. I know they're not going to develop their replacement. I work there. I know how that goes. So nobody can blow any smoke up my butt. And this is one little agency in, in a whole America, which I think we all agree is happening everywhere. So this is the issue. What are we trying to do? If we want to be honest and say, we don't want the best to be promoted. We don't want change. We want soldiers that will just take orders and do it. That's great. Then we need to say that out loud. Say that out loud. But if we don't want to say that out loud because we're uncomfortable, we say, well, we do want the best. Then we're going to have to start having some real conversations, some real conversations on what the best looks like. Because I can tell you what, not everyone is the best and not everyone's a superstar. Not everyone's a leader. And I sad to say that. And everybody can be developed, but we have to rally behind the leaders right that the virtuous people with values, maybe they slipped and fell, they experienced some heartache and trauma, they learned a lot along the way. And now they bring people into their circle, they lift people up with them. That's leadership. Anything else is called supervision. And you can't be a supervisor and a leader. It's impossible to be both. So you have to make a decision. We need supervisors, sergeants, corporals, we need them. But if you're going to go above that, you've got to be a leader. You have to transcend. And if you're doing what everyone else around you is doing, I'm hate to tell you, you're not a leader. You're like everybody else, a supervisor. Very good, Chad. Thank you. Tom, what, what are your thoughts on, on, on Chad's perspective? Well, again, it's no secret. We chatted prior, right? So it's the same thing. Like I said, it, again, I'm putting it out there. Chiefs, if you reach certain levels in an organization and you have enough acronyms and enough certificates, you could just bounce around town, right? You know it. I know it. Let's, I understand why can't we just have this honest conversation? And again, and that qualifies you over me, right? Qualifies you over Chad, me over Chad, right? And here we go. And we play this game when again, the people oftentimes, let's talk about just local levels that are elected by 14 votes that have no business and have ever had a background in policing will then get to recommend and appoint the next leader of an organization. You didn't seek any type of input of anyone in the field as to the, the path that he or she may have traveled that would then go ahead and qualify them to lead an entire organization 
But then me, you, the Chads, the Jims, the James will scratch our heads and say, how the hell do we still have this problem? I don't understand it. It, it, I don't know it, it worse yet. And then we throw the line level into the fire when they get a scraper of boo-boo that's caught on camera. And we say, how could they? How dare they? When I turn around and I say, how dare you? How dare you put those titles and those acronyms at your name? You led them down that path, but you're too much of a coward to admit it. Don't let me interrupt golf outing, no. Yeah, well, the golf outing is really important. I don't know if you, you know that. There's a secret handshake and you get your membership card to the golf course, right? Yeah, I get it. But you know what often I, I laugh at them, sir, is there's never a shortage of conferences, banquets, and galas that administrations throughout the country seem to miss, is there? But yeah, you're going to tell me you don't have the resources to put in a viable wellness program in your department. No, I understand you. You lose my respect and hello when you behave that way. Can I take, can I take this a step further? Cause I, yeah, I, no, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling, I'm feeling the energy and, and, and I actually was thinking about this today, piggybacking on this and, and I was trying to figure out, you know, when I'm coming on the show and I'm right doing my own writing and working on something right now and I just trying to figure out what we're talking about. How did we get here and how do we get out of it? Like. I think we all have good ideas how to get out of it, but to, to understand why the challenge of not being able to get out of it, you have to go back even further. How did we get here? And I really believe we are in a spiritual dilemma. I really believe it. Uh, we're in a spiritual battle. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. If a leader out there is listening to this and you've ever made a choice that goes against what you feel in your gut and you can't bring yourself to look yourself in the mirror because of it, that's a spiritual dilemma. That's a moral dilemma. That's not a best practices dilemma. That's deeper than that. You knew what the right thing to do was, and you did the opposite. So I call you to action. You can't fix in the past, but you going forward, you can speak the truth. You can know the truth. You might pay a price for it like I did. But if you love the profession and you see what's going around you and you don't speak up for it, you're part of the problem. And that's uncomfortable to hear. And it's hard for to say because I love cops and I love police. But this goes to police, to the officer, the sergeant, to anybody. We have to speak up more, even if we risk our own life. Our own career. I know that stinks. And I, nobody wants to hear that. And we've been a bad economy in inflation, but this is the way it is. I lost $100,000 a year to leave and do this and advocate for this. And I did it because I care so darn much. It can be done. And there's hard journeys to this, but it doesn't have to be the most impossible thing. We can come together. We can fix this, but we got to speak the hardest truths. And the truth is, what do we want? Like Tom said, what do we actually want? No, I, I think that's great. And that's what this platform is about, right? It is calling out the truth. Right. We said unfiltered conversations, no buzzwords and bullshit. Let's just talk about the truth. And, and I know, and I've had conversations with Tom offline about how that's affected his career, you know, and, and where he should be right now because of maybe being opinionated, maybe a little bit differently than somebody else or having an opinion period. Right. And, and that's, is, that's a major, major problem because I, I sit across from this gentleman and, I, and this guy should be leading an organization. Uh, but can't get there because of politics and some other things we probably don't want to talk about here. But Tom, talk a little bit about that. I always say this, and I said this to you respectfully, you know, forget me. That's why I say all the time, but what are we, what's the path that we're leaving it? Are we leaving it better than when we inherited it? So then you create that cynical soul in me and that hurt person in me who then what? I either stay past my due and continue to now punch back and hurt other folks. Or I get to the point of disenchantment where I say, I just don't believe anymore. You started this off by reading a Bible verse. I'm going to tell you to your face, man, I've called out to God and I think that he put the phone, you know, off the hook for me. And I'm going to say that. Why? Because I'm so damn tired of saying, oh, why me? 
But I'm not, it's not me, it's Chad, it's all over the place. And I'm saying, what, just give me that leadership, not about the rank, but you spend more time and energy going and throwing stones at me while out there, are you, that's what I say all the time, I don't understand you, man. You realize people like me are special. You know what we want? We want something to believe in. And all you got to do is not give me the, the shiniest rifle or the, or, or the newest vehicle, just give me something to believe in that you believe in my capability. You want my potential to grow and you want me to do well out there. And, and, and if I make a mistake in the head, consider it a policy. Well, you gave me this big that you'll look at me and say, yeah, I made a few mistakes too. Relax. You're not forever banished to the land of misfit toys. And do you know what people like me would do for you, chief? We would run through a damn brick wall all day, every day and smile as we do it. And how do I know this? Cause the places I've gone that make a fraction of what I'd make sit there with smiles on a kid, come wait to come to work. But then the people like me here in California, I'm in New Jersey, we're the highest paid in the country, looking like we're damn zombie apocalypse driving our asses in. So you tell me, man, just give me something to believe in. Just give me, I'm not a threat to you because I might be able to run the mile quicker than you. Hey, dummy, why don't you then use me to run the mile? Makes you look better. Yeah, good, good, great points. Really good points. So it's so frustrating. The insecure leaders that we have that are leading organizations are is so detrimental to what we are seeing and the results that we're obtaining now. Change gears here a little bit. There, there's a book called The Leadership Challenge by Cozy Zabosner. This leadership book has been written, it's like in the sixth edition, so about 30 years now. And they interview attendees at their classes to get the four top qualities of what they see in leadership. You'd be amazed that over the last 30 years, the top four qualities have remained the same. The top four have remained the same. They may have changed positions, but they remain the same. And it's honesty, competency, inspirational, and forward thinking. Honesty, competency, inspirational, and forward thinking. Think about the people that they want to call themselves leaders in the organizations we've worked for and, and all the things that they're lacking. And this is not even a law enforcement book. This is just a leadership book in general. I can tell you right now, most of the people probably I worked for were honest. I had a question whether or not they're competent. I certainly didn't think they were inspirational. And I questioned whether or not they were forward thinking. Well, give me your experience with that, Chad. Yeah, Chief, I, I think it's good. I, I want to just real quick piggyback on Tom. I want to lift him up for 30 seconds because I, I actually think about him a lot. And I should text him when I think about him. Because this might sound a little creepy, but I've been thinking so much about my journey in three years and leaving. And I sometimes wish I could have found a way to stick it out. I wrote about this in my book that I, I, I tried to find a path forward to do that and I couldn't. And I think of Tom sticking it out for as long as he has, continuing to train, tour the country. I hear it in his voice, the passion, the pain, all of that, the service, the care. And I just want to say, Tom, man, I, I got a lot of respect for you. Keep it going, man. So your path is going to show itself when it's meant to show itself. You care too much. You have too much to offer. You have too much influence to share with the world and the community. I'm a big fan of you, man. Chief, some of my experiences have been, you know, mine's interesting. I'm from the military. And I just want to talk about this briefly, the juxtaposes the, the cultures, although the cultures are, are similar in many, many ways, you know, the military is a very merit-based, at least when I was in, a very merit-based system. So generally the best of the best got promoted. I got promoted sergeant at 20. I couldn't even drink yet. Somebody recognized my potential and they put you through a pipeline and you almost don't recognize it yourself. And it's a very powerful process, but that's what you, you need. When law enforcement, I come at it, it's the opposite. It blew me away. I said, wait a second, we go off seniority? What if that person is not good for their job? Well, it doesn't matter. They've been here 12 years. You only been here one. Well, well, I don't, I don't understand. Okay. So you just, you sit there and you do, you give them the time off and, 
that's just one example. And we've all seen this generationally, culturally over time, what has happened with this mindset. It's just created bad leaders. So in my experience, sheep, I actually ran into many dishonest leaders and I only worked the 180, so I can only, my, my purview is small, but I did catch leaders in lies. And that further my confusion of what is going on. Then they're already incompetent to begin with. They weren't influential. So me wanting to leave law enforcement, unlike Tom, who is, is Brazilian and sticking this thing out, I, I looked around and I said, I, I don't know if I can stick here and make it because it just was that kind of culture. And I think that's where we have to really harbor on those four tenets, I think are really important that we can start to really help leaders. None of that stuff matters. The bullet points, the resume, all the certifications, your network that everyone tells you you're amazing. If you don't have those four things, why are we having a conversation that you want to get the next position? You need those four things first. I think it's a great point. Yeah. John, your thoughts? So I think you got to redefine. I think honesty and genuine are two different words. I think that we've been painted as you guys can attest to. We don't have a love affair with cops. Come on, let's be fair. But the way that the narrative is that we plant evidence on people every day, we go out and kill people when they shouldn't have been killed, you know, all that, that garbage. I think the overwhelming majority of police officers, forget leaders, are honest because I think the overwhelming majority of people are honest. Okay. I'm not talking about, Hey, hey come on. She, you took the last, you know, uh, cake cup and I needed a cup of coffee today. And you say, oh, I don't remember if I did. I'm not talking about that. What I'm saying is genuine though. And I think being genuine would go a hell of a long way with the troops in the rank and file. I give myself as an example, if they would have told me that I'm spinning my wheels and wasting my time applying for the position to lead my organization, I wouldn't have liked it. But I would have at least said, thank you. You would have saved me the last straw that broke the camel's back of no most 20 year marriage. When I looked and told my then wife and my children, this is all going to be worth it. And let me put this time and energy into this process. You see, there's a difference between being honest and being genuine. So I would say if we focused on being genuine, albeit it might hurt people's feelings, they may not like what you tell them, but you're being genuine. I think that would do a hell of a lot for our leadership elements. The other one I would argue is competency because I am him. What do I mean? I'll put myself against anybody when it comes to the facets of doing the job and competency. But my God, you know this, man. You got 35 to my 23. That shit goes by quick. I was in a Mark's car the other day and I couldn't figure out. I thought I was going into a Star Wars movie and all the young bucks are laughing at me because they know. It's time to check in. If I'm out there, I'll do the job. But these young bucks, I, don't, I felt I was in a DeLorean. I didn't know which way it was up. So you can look at me and I guess qualify me as incompetent at that glimpse, right? But it's like, so the competency, I think, is a handsome and a beautiful trait of a leader to turn around and say, hey, young buck, can you show me how to work this damn thing? doesn't make me incompetent. I'm just saying this is not what I do every day, but I think you're incredible if you can navigate all this stuff. I'm going to tell you that for a fact. Now, now let me show you how to walk and talk. I'll do that. But you, you, you're showing me your competency and my lack thereof in this one particular facet. I think we put too much pressure on ourselves and misdefine both those words, honesty and competency. Very good. I, I appreciate that uh, perspective. But I think that was uh, very well said and stated. Now, let me ask you both a question. Now, we've talked about some of the problems here, and we talked about problems in, in the, the leadership of some of the organizations or the people that are leading, maybe not the leadership of. If we were to, the three of us starting this roundtable, we're going to select a new police chief for an organization. Someone hired us, we're consultants, the three of us. 
what are the metrics we're going to look for and how we can determine those? Have you thought about that at all? Because I think that the people that are listening and our listeners that want to be future leaders, future police chiefs, executives would really benefit from hearing from the two of you because you have great perspectives on what is needed to lead this profession forward. So I'll go to you, Chad. One thing, I, and I, we've, I wrote about this in my book because I really appreciate this, comment, this question because I think it's, it's really important we, we identify these metrics. And I think for me is, is, and I just ran into a chief and we talked about this recently, is family. If we're having a conversation about family and you're not asking me about my family, you don't want to talk about your family, that, that's a suspicious flag to me. And that's happened to me with some leaders I run into. So I don't want to get into it. I don't want to talk about that. Or I don't want to, you know, oh, I just had a baby. Oh, it's great. Congratulations. You know, it's very, those are flags to me. Because at the essence, like Tom said earlier, this is a people business. So if we're going to interview candidates and we spent some time talking about family or friends or where you grew up at, that's a good thing. And I, I've seen too many business-oriented chiefs, uh, candidates, business-oriented leaders that want to get down to brass tacks. That's great. But how you are as a person is going to be how you are as a leader. So let's, let's find out what kind of person you are. And I think we have to focus on the character of an individual, not just their reputation. Absolutely. Tom, emotional intelligence plays this as well. And, and what process is checking someone's emotional intelligence. Nothing, right? There, there's no process for that. Typically, I think there's some people trying to be innovative and look at that now, but that's where we really need to go. And I think what you talked about, right? The people skills, the people skills and, and the relationship issues. Those are what we need to see. Tom, have you thought about that? If I was going to hire you and we we're going to consult today and pick a next police chief, what would that process look like to you? For me, it's all about vulnerability. Vulnerability is the combination of how we get courage, not bravery. It, no matter how cliche it sounds, right? It's, it takes a brave man or woman to do the job of a police officer. I don't care if people could throw stones at me. It's, that takes bravery. Courage and vulnerability is what it takes to lead an organization. So what I would say is I would love to hear somebody, and you'll be able to pick up right away if it's a genuine answer or not. Tell me about a relationship that you've built and tell me about a relationship that you've broken. And I think if you saw a man or a woman be able to take their shirt off and show you what's all happening on the inside, again, it's not because of me and my, what I openly share about. I'm not saying everybody should be out on social media and LinkedIn and doing all this and sharing their stories. The purpose of doing that is to show other people, here's Chad, he's a stranger to me. We didn't know each other. And he's sitting there saying that he looks up to me. Why? Because... I'm sitting outright saying, yeah, listen, this is who I am and this is what I've done, but yet I'm still showing up. And I think that if we had leaders to show that, you're going to have a very accurate gauge of how to predict how they move forward. You know this better than anybody, Chief, because you're somebody that chats through that shade at me. Well, I'm saying I never had the courage, not because of I didn't have the courage to persevere through. I missed my deployment to go to Iraq, 550 days. I should have probably met Chad there. My CEO let me go home and see my mother off to the next generation, you know, well, wherever she may be. I don't have his resume. You as a chief, I'm telling you right now, I look up to the type of leadership style you have. You just said, no, you're no bullshit. Well, okay, that you, now you're speaking my vibe. I think that you'd have an accurate gauge of predictability as to what, how people are going to deal with relationships. You know damn well, you're only going to be as good as the relationships that you know how to build. You can acknowledge how you broke and then you understand how to do what further. That's being a forward thinker is relationships. Absolutely. It's, it's funny. I sit amongst you both who have authored books and have done great jobs. And, you know, Tom with your book, Kamikaze and, and, you know, 
chat with your book, Holy Trinity of Successful and Healthy Police Organizations. And I thought to myself, well, you know, it's something I really want to do. I want to write a book. And I really prayed about this a little bit. And I go, you know what? I'm going to write a book and it's going to be a one page in the middle of the road, middle of the page is going to say relationships. And I'm going to buy that and sell that. And, and someone told me, okay, you're effing crazy. Like no one's going to buy that. But if you really talk about it, leadership's about relationships and, and there's really nothing more than that. And, and so, you know, it's funny you say that, right? Bucket list dream. I, I told this to Chad when we started, first started kicking it, a bucket list to write a book. And it took me far too long. Why? Because you believe in the bullshit that's out there. People telling you, well, like you just said, are you effing crazy? I'll tell you this right now. If you wrote a book that said how to go to the bathroom, I would buy it. It's why? Because of the relationship. So when I wrote, when I set out an adventure, I, I, I thought I was told legitimately, hey, if 10 people get this that you know, and are your people, you consider yourself successful, right? I never expected, you know, anybody to reach out and want that. That's something I say and put onto paper, but that was my catharsis over to build relationships with strangers. You understand me? It's not about picking up a guy or a girl at a bar. I'm asking you, can you have an uncomfortable conversation? Can you turn around and look me in the face and tell me a relationship you broke? I'm telling you my biggest one, my marriage. And then on top of it, I hated my mother, not legitimately. I'm saying I blamed her for getting terminally ill and me never having that person in my life. Yeah. So what? Now imagine that, sir. Let me do that with an organization. So if I trip and fall and get it wrong, I'll be the first damn one to show up and say, I got this wrong. Or if I see one of my officers do something, I must say chapter one and say how we got to chapter five before I show you the clip of the video showing the hand coming up like this. Just asking you. Yeah. No, great points. And, and your perspective is, is always spot on. And so our listeners know it. this is not the first time I've talked to Tom or, or Chad. And Tom and I have had some really good conversations about what he's doing, about his future. I, I encourage him to continue. And because the bottom line is you'll never know that the lives that you're impacting and, and you're impacting lives. That's really, really important because that's what this profession needs. They need people like you, Chad. They need people like you, Tom, that they can get some, uh, a good matrix of where they need to go and what they need to do to be successful in this career. You two are impactful, you're needed, you're appreciated, and you're certainly wanted. So I, I have to get that message to you both today, because I think that's important before we get off this, this podcast today. Chad, talk to me about your, your motivation for your book a little bit, and it's a little bit of a different scope, but talk a little bit about that and how you got to where you were. You know, writing a book was never something I wanted to do. I remember actually talking to Tom about his book, probably middle of 2022 and learning about, you know, what that experience was like briefly on a phone call with him. And so it was something I guess I was always interested in, but what happened in, in 2022, August, 2022, I applied for a chief of police position in the same county I grew up in, the same county I was a police officer in. Uh, I was now out of law enforcement. I left my head low for sure. And, and I left kind of wondering, was it my fault? Was it their fault? I'm trying to pick the pieces together. And then clearly started to get my, my wits together, started to get a lot of therapy and healing and recovering and realize how broken the culture I was. Tom made a great point. I, they, my police, former agency just released a photograph from their Wednesday night from their uh, department meeting. And, you know, everyone's taking a re-oath and swearing in. And I'm looking at all the faces of these people I know, joyless, just bags under their eyes, no smiles in their faces. And we, we got to call that stuff out. That is not okay. Our people should be smiling. Some of them should be smiling. I get not all of them smile, but. Everybody should at least be given an opportunity to throw a smile up and, and to have a voice. So I applied to this sheep position because I met this town manager, really thought it was a town I could work for, really loved his values. And so I applied for it and did not get an interview. So my expectations was this, again, I had command experience I didn't have. You have to bid to either 
one of these command schools, which I didn't have. But I knew that. I knew I probably wasn't going to get it. It's a political process. But I wanted the shot to interview. I thought I'd get an interview. My expectations was I'd get an interview. I'd learn about the process. Maybe I can make an impression. Maybe I can't, but I'll learn either way. So you not get an interview and to not even be notified that I not get an interview. And then I had to follow up like weeks after the interviews were scheduled. I said, I never heard back from you guys. And the recruiter came to one line. Oh, you're, 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 you weren't accepted. You know, so the, the callousness of the whole process, when I know some of these people involved personally, was just a further example for me of how broke the system was. I took a week to like lick my wounds and realize what I'm going to do. And then I said, I got to write a book. I have more things to say, like Tom, I have more pain to communicate. Just to sit here and not be given opportunities when I think I could do a really, really great job in a place that I grew up in and know that community really well was not okay for me. And it, it tore my heart open, to be honest. So I, in early 2023, I committed myself for four months. I did pretty much nothing else. I woke up at 4 a.m. and wouldn't stop until I was dog tired. And I did this in four months, wrote this book and had tons of conversation with people. And it was really the, cru- the crux of it was we need to change our cultures. We need to change how we select leaders. And I put a little bit in the book of what I can think of Tom's suggestion about Tell me the time you broke somebody. If you can't bro- tell a story when you broke somebody, then you're not being genuine. You're not being honest. We've all broken somebody. Maybe we didn't physically break them, but we uh, broke their heart. We said something unkind. Maybe we didn't even know it at the time, but it got back to us later. But these are true. These are true for all of us. And if you can't be honest about this as a leader, that scares me for our profession. So Tom, that's a great question. Tell me the time you broke somebody. I'd love to tell you the time I lied to my girlfriend or I lied to my wife. And I did that before. And I watched her face when she was emotional crying. I said, man, I don't want to lie to her and do that to her. That's not good. And I can tell somebody that's not good to do that. I don't want to do that. So if you can't bring ourselves to these, these situations as a leadership in an interview process, I think it's great, Tom. I think that's what we should be doing. So, so what, what that led me here to chief is write this book and continue. I, I pretty much said for all of 2024, I'm going to advocate and do on this journey as I've been doing. If it, nothing changes or needle doesn't move or whatever, at the end of 2024, I have to move on with my own mental health and sanity. So. I will. I'll move on and probably take a job somewhere and do something else and really add value to, to wherever I'm at. But for this year, I, I got one year left to help make it better. And we got to do it because there's so many good ones out there. But you see some of these videos every time a young cop gets in trouble and he gets fired and vilified. How, when the cop gets in trouble, when there's an international or a national incident, it's all over the news, and you see one person arrested or fired, and it's the cop in the incident, the 23 year old rookie who's probably head broke. Because he has bad leaders. What are they, how come that chief's not being investigated? Or his captain or his sergeant? How come they're not being brought up on charges? Yeah, exactly. have to have, We have to have direct correlations. Who was that officer's supervisor? Great. Let's interview him. Who was your smart line supervisor? We will go all the way up the chain. Chief, what are you doing for this rookie officer? And you better have some answers. And I don't want to hear, well, it's not my responsibility. It's all your responsibility. Every single bit of it is yours. Absolutely. Sorry, get a little fired up here, chief. Um, yes. Well, all yeah, good. You, did, you did well. You did well. Yeah, all good, Chad. Let me know if you get if you get that job. Let me know if you need an assistant, bro. Maybe maybe we're meant to join forces and tear tear something up together, man. I don't know. There are people with big hearts out there, and we got to find them because they're out there. We got to find them. We got to help them amplify those voices, not feel shame for for the fact that they care so much in a culture where it's not cool to care. It's freaking cool to care. It's sexy to care. And if you don't think it's sexy to care, get out, get out, and go do something like fill ice cream cones or go or drive a trash truck. This is a profession. You got to care and you got to believe it. You got to love it. You got to influence and inspire everybody around you, including the community, including the community. That's how we prevent crime. We inspire the community, the people we live in. They will commit less crimes when they care about us as authors, when they know us, when we're meeting them in the the community, when we're doing events, when we're lifting them up on, on speeches and we can fire them up. That's a good way to prevent crime, isn't it? Building relationships, like you said. 
man, it's, it feels like we're in a locker room where we're about to go take the field right now. I'm, I'm ready to go. I, Tom's probably ready to go do some, do some 500 pound deadlifts right now, right? Tom, you're ready to roll. So Chad, nothing but, Pilat- nothing but Pilates now, man. Nothing but Pilates. All right. Listen, wow. the joints hurt. Great stuff, Chad and Tom. So, you know, as, as we're getting close to the end here, I know Tom, you know, you're doing some great work in the ivory tower. You got so many classes coming up in, in the future here, where you talk about officer wellness and you and I've talked about some of your content of, of the work you're doing. So great stuff. What I'd like to hear is what does the future hold for you, Tom? You know, what are your future aspirations? What, what are you going to be bringing forward? And uh, just give you an opportunity to kind of talk a little bit about, you know, your future and what you're looking to do. Yeah, well, I, I guess two roads, right? So professionally, I made the the hard decision. It wasn't ever about a goal and an aspiration because of a different, you know, pin. But I did set out on a venture. I, I participated in the selection process for chief of police. The, I was in new chief orientation in the class in March of 2022. You know, the powers that be did not select me. And again, it definitely did probably the biggest challenge of my professional career as far as broken my spirits. Uh, but I made that tough decision in terms of in New Jersey, I want to finish out what I started to set, to set out to do, uh, finish my career, meaning, you know, a full career in terms of pension and tenure. And it's for, you know, as far as teaching, I had the goal. I wanted to hit all 50 states. I always, when I started out on this journey, so I'm damn close. You know, I'm nervous because the first time professionally or personally going to the state of California, you know, I think that there's plenty of assassins out here in New Jersey. So I'm kind of intimidated about these California folks, but I'm going to be out there soon. What I'm proud to say that I changed and I, and I transitioned with, with my classes is now I opened up the class. I, tr- I twisted a little bit of the content to make it a- applicable. It was always applicable to all ranks, but now I make it applicable and open to uh, civilian staff military. And the coolest part is that I openly offer for people to come to bring their spouses and their significant others, or even adolescent age children. So I did that already now a few times. And holy cow, you talk about feeling like you made an impact to watch a father and a son rejoin, to watch a husband and a wife reconnect. It may be just maybe it's already the same message that they've been communicating, but they hear it from a foreign voice, then, hey, maybe I'm on to something. So the conference circuit, yes, it was a dream come true. I don't know how, I still don't know how I got the opportunity to be a guest host on a television show, you know, for On Patrol Live. So like I said, maybe you'll see me again there. That's a, that's one of those little hints. So we'll see what's what with that. I, I never imagined me doing something like that, but I don't know, man. I, for the first time in my life, I openly share with you gentlemen that I'm going into situations now with zero expectations. I'm not a religious man, but I am a faithful man. And I feel like maybe just maybe finally some of the, you know, my true DNA will come back and, and restore itself in terms of what I genuinely believe and what I set out to do. Um, here I am friends with two guys that I have no business being friends with that see something in me. So maybe just maybe I, I, I stopped and put those depression demons away where I started to believe that death's got to be easy because life is hard. And I went down that dark path. I openly share how I lost a very close friend at 14 to suicide. Two of them on the same day. I lost a work colleague, you know, suicide by cop by his own department. So yeah, I've lost the things that I cherish most. And this is going to be this year to formalize those things. 
But yeah, I guess I'm going to give it one more shot at believing in myself in hopes to get other people to believe in themselves. Very good. And, and inspirational as well. And, and here's the thing, time and location, you know, so if you're ever looking uh, for an opportunity, uh, you reach out, you have a friend here who has some connections and also is, has his finger on the pole. So, and there's a lot of places that we blessed to have you as their police chief. So I'm here for you and you, you make sure that we keep in touch after this and we'll find a, a place for you. I appreciate the words that you believe in yourself, right? Because we have to believe in ourselves before we can ever expect the people to believe in us. So really important. Chad, talk a little bit about what you have coming up and, and what, what your plans are for the future. Yeah. So I want to hit the speaking. I want to do more speaking events this year. I, I spoke at a conference in Hershey last year, March of, at the, at the Pennsylvania Parks and Recs conference. I spoke at that last year, March of 2023, and about 15 minutes left in my presentation, my PowerPoint goes out. I'm teaching a, a lead the way it's a program I, I put together, transforming supervisors into leaders, how you become from the basic supervisor to what we talked about today. How do you become that? So it's kind of introductory and, and my PowerPoint went out 15 minutes left. I, it's the first time I'm speaking at a conference, so it hasn't been a year yet, so it's fairly new at it. And I just decided to riff for 15 minutes. I decided to riff and I opened it up by saying, I didn't know what to say, and I, but I wasn't panicking. I was like almost embracing this opportunity. I'm almost glad this went down. And I said, anybody ever, ever had a finger put in your chest? And everybody's looking at me like, it's a couple hundred people in the audience. What? I said, a finger. Anybody ever have a finger put in your chest? And I saw a couple head nods. How does that make you feel? Then a couple murmurs went, not good. And I said, yeah, it doesn't feel good, does it? And I just went for 15 minutes to the point where people are like clapping at the end. A guy comes up to me and is, he looks like Santa Claus. He was in his late 60s, white beard, white hair, you know, jolly old guy. But he's got tears in his eyes and he's about inches from me. And I don't get nervous for anything like that. But man, even that made me uncomfortable. I had my eyes bug eyed a little bit. And he has, but I see his eyes. So I immediately just got emotional. I said, can I give you a hug? And I reach in and I hug him and we just rub and I rub him his back for 15 seconds. I feel tears on my shirt from rubbing his back. And I've been in these situations before, so I really didn't I didn't think anything of it. So I drive home and I tell my wife, I'm an hour drive from Hershey to Allentown, I tell my wife about this. And she's telling me, babe, that is not a normal experience. People don't, I know it might, might be normal for you at conferences or whatever, where you go, but that's not a normal experience. The guy be lined up to you to give you a hug and you're rubbing his back. So I think you need to explore that a little bit. So I come back to that next weekend and we're sitting in my daughter's room and I'm talking to my wife about the conference. We're about five feet apart, crisscross applesauce sitting on the floor. And we're in our daughter's room. And none of my kids are home at the time. So why we're in our daughter's room, I don't remember. And she had her, her light on, her room light at the time too. And it's the middle of the day on a Saturday. We're talking about this conference. And faith is really important. This is spirituality. And I said, man, I just wish Jesus would give you a sign because this is something that I already left law enforcement to start a private investigation firm that is doing okay. But it's a, it's a challenge each day. And now you want me to further pivot and transition to something I've ever also done when I haven't even figured this one out, this first transition. So I just said, uh, if Jesus gives me a sign and we're emotional talking, then I'll do it. I'll surrender and obey. But I, I, I have a family to think about. But just then her light, I uh, started hearing arc and it seared out and it popped real silent. It faded off and it, it, the light went from light to dark real slowly. Like it was an arc and then it slowly popped down. And I look at this light and I was just so overcome with emotion. I was so overcome with I mean, I just asked, the, I just said it, I spoke it and it happened and I couldn't believe it happened. It was one of those, I couldn't actually, I didn't want to believe like I was making excuses for what I just saw. But then I looked at my wife and I see her face and she is less believing to me as far as just faithing and not say dreaming and, and all that stuff. But I see her face with the tears coming down her cheek and she's looking up at the light bulb and it was that face that I saw her face that I saw was 
all right, I have to go. So I, I have to go. So yeah, I made that decision. Started a, a coaching company speaking. That's when I decided to write the book was March, 2023. So in four months, I wrote the book, created a website, and now I have to go and touch lives and, and impact people. I spoke in December at the, at the Chamber of Commerce. People, half the people were crying in the audience. They came up and gave me hugs. So something, somehow, what I'm saying, I'm still figuring out it is resonating. And, you know, that's what I want to do this show. I want to get in front of more people. I think we're in a very tough time in society. And if it, you know, I don't work with a lot of police departments. I would like to do that. And that's been something that's been a challenge to be able to get in and get in front of access to them. So I've been kind of focusing on civilians and listing people up and touching them. So I think that's kind of where I'm going to give the cops, but also go do on a larger level, touch people's lives at somehow, some way, find a way to do it. It's service. Like we talked about this whole day, it's service related. I wrote a whole lot of planning about it, but I know it's, I believe it's going to happen because I surrender myself to it. So it's not my plan anymore. Thank you. And, uh, and thank you for sharing. As we close out this, this episode, super blessed to be able to share time with both of you, Chad and Tommy, you both are amazing, amazing leaders and, and amazing people. And, and you're going to do some amazing things because I know you're not done yet. So right before we go, Tom, just tell people or listeners where they can find you. So my website's very creative name. It's uh, www.thomasrizzo.com. That's the easiest way. That's where all my, all my information's at. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Instagram at, at Tom Rizzo 70, where I do a lot of uh, different, you know, videos and, and content like that 70 because 70 Chevelle, that's my ride. That was my thing, my jam. So, but again, this pleasure, the pleasure has been all mine. I thank you. You both know how much respect I have for both of you both as gentlemen over professionals. So your professional careers impress me, but your personal side is what drives me to and blessed to call you guys friends. So thank you. Thank you, brother. And Chad, tell people, uh, our listeners where they can find you. Yeah. Uh, my website's motivatechange.com. Motivate with a hyphen in the middle, hyphenchange.com, motivatehyphenchange.com. And you can buy the book on the website. I'll send you a personal copy. I'll write something in it. My kids even got these little bracelets to actually wear one, resilience in action. So we'll put them in there some little bracelets and some water bottle stickers we'll put in the pack, package, send it out. My coaching services is on there, speaking, gift services, and how you get in contact with me. And just like Tom said, I really appreciate this opportunity. I think we, we move around this world as impact makers and we sometimes struggle to find or see the other ones around us that are just like us. They might be right next to us. We're so far, so focused on doing our job selflessly for others that if we just picked up our eyes a little bit, we would see, oh my God, I'm not standing right next to Tom Rizzo or gang. These are guys that's like me and we're pushing the same direction. So I think it's great. Personally, I'm just proud to call you friends. We need to find more to join the tribe and we really start to put light into all this darkness. Blessed to call you brothers. I'll leave us with this. One person could change the world, right? Mother Teresa, Gandhi, Martin Luther King, they changed the entire world. These two gentlemen, Chad and Tom, are changing our profession. If you're listening today, you can change the culture of your organization. Reach out. There's resources for you. Reach out to Chad. Reach out to Tom. Reach out to myself. We'll be able to help you. And if there's anything that you need, reach out to us. And I'll say that. Until next time, stay safe, healthy, and resilient. God bless. We extend our gratitude to Chief Neil Gang for his leading us through this exploration of wellness and leadership for our extraordinary first responders. This is Missy Morris signing off on behalf of Techni Innovations. Be safe. And we look forward to having you with us again on the Sixth Pillar Monthly Podcast.